Hey, what's going on? This is episode 38 of the Undiluted Podcast. Thank you for all of you that continue to con- to support and continue to share, like, and everything. Um, I got with me my homie, my co-host, Mike. What up, Mike? What it do? What it do, man? I'm excited about this one, man. I really am. And, uh, man, you know, let's get this going, Jay. Yes, sir. And we got with us a special guest today, my homie, my new homie. Yes, sir. <laughs> Damien Howard, what's up, man? Man, all is well, bro. Coming straight out of Bronzeville, Southside, <laughs> represent. Doing what we do, man. Ready to get into this conversation. Southside, <laughs> Kanye voice. Yes, you know, sir. Uh, me and Mike, we from the West Side, but we got our homie from the South Side in the yeah, building. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Full tray, yeah. strong. <laughs> so, man, so you know, without further ado, Damien, man, you know, like. I'm going to let the audience, you know, about this being Black History Month, man, we decided to bring you on this episode to celebrate, you know, black excellence Mm -hmm. in uh, our city, man, city of Chicago. And I always see you doing great things. Mm -hmm. We've worked in the same realm together a few times and uh, just awesome, man. You know, when you see people in life and you run into them, like, every, you know, when I first ran into you, it was on campus. Mm -hmm. You were vibed in. You know, bump heads and the Salvation Army, you know, you see people like, man, okay, this guy's moving. And I don't know how you felt about me at the time, but it's like, you know, just climbing and trying yes, to do sir. something. So, you know, that's that's always been on my mind also. You know, you're a friend of mine's on Facebook and you're always posting positive uh, messages. And I see you doing big things. And, you know, I got to let my listeners know that, you know, you know, Damien, uh, he's an alum at the University of Illinois. Uh, mm-hmm. What year did you go there? Yeah, 2001 to 2005. Okay. Yeah, so, man, when I was there, I was a freshman. You was uh, getting up out of there. Yeah, yeah. I, I started there in 04, 04 to 08. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you I know you're alum at uh, University of Illinois. You also uh, started uh, Clever Characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're also part of the Two uh, Together Chicago yes, initiative. Yes, sir. So that right there... Uh, well, I, I, I'm gonna get to that later, but let's expound upon the cle- uh, the clever characters. What is that? Yeah, so clever characters is an entity actually that I started with four high school students from Crane High School. So y'all okay. said y'all Westside. Westsiders, so mm-hmm. y'all might be somewhat familiar with Crane High School. Awesome. You know, a part of my own purpose and mission is to expose young people to things that are going to help them be better in life. One of those things is the whole mindset of entrepreneurialism, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what does it mean for us to be, if nothing else, thinking in a way that we can build something great? That we could take whatever it is that God has equipped us with as far as our shape, as far as our skills, as far as what we got in our hands and right here in our space and do something magnificent, do something culture changing with those things. So as such, I had last school year four teenagers to come alongside myself um, with the vision of nothing more, nothing less than saying, let's create something together. Um, and from that space, we erected a company that's all about character development and going in and making an impact in the lives of young people. And even though right now, those young people are no longer a part of the process, they were definitely part of the inception mm-hmm. to now get us to a vehicle that's making impact across this city in 13 schools. Gotcha. So wow. just an amazing testament to go mm-hmm. back and say that in a real way, this thing was founded by myself with teenagers, with students who care about this city. So it's a little bit about that work. Let me just say one thing, mm-hmm. because I would just be 
just so bogus if I didn't get this out about the purpose mm-hmm. um, as it pertains to the purpose of this company. It's all about us ultimately saying, how can we be a part of urban education reform? Mm-hmm. I now am at a point where I've been a part of the school system for 13 years. And what I know, if nothing else, is that there is a lot of great things, but also a lot of brokenness mm-hmm, in the right. school system. So my piece is, how can I be a person that anything I'm putting my hands on be a blessing to these young people, not only help them again to think better, think as entrepreneurs, think think of themselves as builders, but create something that's going to impact positive change for the culture. Right. I agree yes, with that because we do got to start thinking. Uh, uh, I know I always uh, bring up this Rick Ross song, Buy About the Block. You know, we got to think about getting our own thing, right. you know, like our own uh, economic wise. We always think as the employee we need to start thinking that's the employer can i drop one thing on you real quick to that point bro when i started this company with those young people Mm -hmm. last school year we were at about two thousand five hundred dollars you know over the course of a whole year um and that was me still working full-time us trying to figure this thing out bro we close to six figures this school year you know what i'm saying so that was a massive jump and not only close to six figures from where we were. 300% at, jump. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's, it's bananas. Wow. But just kind of speaks to the testament that we as a people, I've never done this before. I've never launched anything that is basically from nothing and now at a point whereas it's growing into a lucrative enterprise. So we can do this, bro. Mm-hmm. Right? It starts with that so, mindset. It starts with that mind, bro. So you started staying off with the high, uh, CPS High School uh, Absolutely. students. Absolutely. Uh, uh, and uh, well, what uh, high school? Like, how did you get involved with the students that started this with you? Like, how yeah. did that come about? So, I, before I resigned from the Board of Education to launch into this character development space full time, my place of employment, or my last place of employment, was Crane High School. Okay. So I was actually a teacher there, working with these very students during the school year. Mm-hmm. And over the summer, I pulled them. Along. You were a teacher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, my. Um, Education at the University of Illinois was in special education. Mm-hmm. So I, what they call a diverse learners teacher, um, was the work that I was doing at Crane High School. But anyway, long and short, these were students that either I knew who were in classrooms with me and or mentees of mine when I was there at Crane. Um, and it just pulled them alongside myself and said, hey, let's build something. Mm-hmm. And I got a shout out to After School Matters because After School Matters mm-hmm. provided a stipend for these young people mm-hmm. over the summer, which afforded me uh, the space and opportunity to keep them focused. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> motivation. Yeah. So, motivation. Uh, yeah. You gotta get on your job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a hit. Yeah. So the the Clever Characters Initiative, yeah. uh, you say you in 13 schools? 13, brother. So like uh, South and West? South and West Side. So how does that dynamic work? Because uh, when I, uh, I read up on this, you guys are trying to teach... Uh, uh, what is it, social education or yeah. uh, social? Uh, we call it social and emotional learning. Emotional learning. Yeah, okay. and, and as as uh, what I also use synonymously to that is character development mm-hmm. or even life skills. Right, it's all in the same vein. So you guys are teaching the teachers how to uh, teach the uh, social, uh, the, uh, the these SELs that mm-hmm. you uh, you throwing out there, and yeah. you're in 13 schools. What? What high schools are you in? in the yeah, so high schools, unfortunately, were just in two. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're two powerful high schools with a lot of history in the city, Crane and Phillips. Okay, awesome, mm-hmm. awesome. So, and do, so how, how does that, like, how does the uh, order of operation work? Like, uh, 
how do you manage that throughout these schools? You have students there, or or you have workers there working there for you. Yeah. Like, how does this go about? Well, what's the uh, the business model? So that's the beauty of getting to a place whereby you know we're getting close to having a little bit more revenue. You know, like I said, close to like that six figure point. And I don't say that to be to be boastful or brag in any way. I say that know. for the folk who are listening to this podcast to be encouraged and be empowered that we can build some stuff for when we get focused yeah. and when we get purpose, right? Um, but yes, I have uh, it's a funny story. I know um, I talked to you all offline a little bit about one of my places of employment being Urban Prep Academies. Okay. When I worked at that school in 2009, mm-hmm. the big head little boy who just for whatever reason took an interest in me, mm-hmm. um, we started a little rap program there oh. after school, and he actually is a rapper right now. Mm. Uh, shout out to Huey Gang. Huey Gang. Uh, All right, yeah. Huey. Yeah, yeah. Shout out What's to up? Huey. Gang, yeah. gang, gang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but anyway, long and short, similar to how you have seen me on social media mm-hmm. and some of the moves I've been making, I see my my students, mm-hmm. my past students, and now some of them even mentees of mine and the moves they make mm-hmm. for, but, you know, long and short, this young man by the name of Lawrence, mm-hmm. who once was a student of mine, is now a full-time employee with my company. Oh, man. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, I just recently led him to be able to resign from his work that he was doing in the after-school program, like, which was very impactful, yeah. very purposeful work. But I said, guess what, my dude? Mm-hmm. I'm about to raise you up to be a leader of this company. Okay. Because you okay. talked earlier. Yeah. You don't even know. What to, I don't even know if you knew how you was really kind of putting that thing out there. Mm-hmm. But here's my journey. I was an employee. Mm-hmm. Now I'm in a place of being self-employed. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's about being a business owner. Right, right. Which says that I'm not trading my time for my money. Right. So I got to raise up people who are then in that seat of being self-employed, right? That mm-hmm. run things while, you know, I get a little bit more freedom and flexibility. And long and short, Lawrence is one of the guys that I'm raising up as such, who used to be one of my students. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Um, do you feel it requires a college degree to be in the position that you're in? That's an amazing question. I think the best way I can respond to that question is by letting you in on a little private conversation that I'm having in my household right now. Mm-hmm. Getting to the point where right now any little extra resources or most of my extra resources are going into business development because I'm an entrepreneur and my wife is an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and we're both in the stage of Shout developing out to work. the Miss Howard. Indeed, indeed, <laughs> indeed, doing her thing. Um, but anyway, whatever resources that we, that we build up for the sake of my daughter's education, mm-hmm. now my thinking is, bro, if I can get 50 to 100K and invest that into her at the age of 18, does it make more sense for her, like, for instance, if she wanted to go work for Facebook, for mm. me to say, you don't got to worry about your food, you don't have to worry about your um, housing, nothing. I got you with this money that I've been putting aside. You know, that's interesting. And she just goes and grinds wherever it is that she want to work, right. like, even if she mm. starts on the entry level. Right. And it's a part of me that feels like that would be a better educational experience her, mm-hmm. because that's been my journey right mm-hmm. um just getting out there grind grinding trying stuff mm-hmm. and figuring mm-hmm. things out and right. i would much more want to invest in that but my wife doesn't agree with me man so it's an ongoing conversation so hopefully in that you heard my answer to your question which is i don't necessarily think it's necessary however what i do know and i gotta um lift up as well about my experience since that college was just very formative for me because right. i i have yeah. a homie um yeah he graduated from Temple. He's from Philly. And he's telling me, like, man, hey, as long as you're passionate and you keep at it, keep at it, keep at it, you don't have to go to college. So, and so I'm what like, I, 
Yeah. So what I would add to that is, yes, I hear passion, but you all keep hearing me talk about purpose as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of 18 year olds don't have that that yeah. keen sense of this mm-hmm. is exactly what I'm made for. This is exactly what I what I'm on this earth to do. And mm-hmm. therefore, I'm going to have layers of focus to just make sure that I drill in and hone I'll in on this one thing. If yeah. you're lost, you know, like at 18, fresh out of college, I mean, out of high school, you should go to college <laughs> to build. And, and like, because me going to college, we wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. If you really think about that if yeah. I didn't go. I went to college for two years. It, it yeah. taught me some things, though, that I didn't learn in high school. So, like, it, it definitely, like, taught me some things, but... It's like I guess it's like um different strokes for different folks. Yeah. So yeah, at the end of the facts. day. That's so facts. it it was best for you. And at the end of the day, even though I don't have a degree, it was best for me. And it was best for Mike. He has a degree. Um so yeah, is So I just wanna provide a clarifying point because I don't wanna come off as if I'm bashing college. No. I just want to be very clear that I am not sold anymore on the fact that that is the wisest way to invest my money as a parent. If I got, again, a portion of money that I can invest in the betterment of my daughter, Mm -hmm. I just feel like there are other options Mm -hmm. and other alternative means for her to get really a hard-knock life education that can really impact change maybe even more than her being in these classrooms. In many ways, classrooms for two years that don't got nothing to do with what she want to do anyway. You know what? It was crazy. I was just talking to my frat brother and our high school uh, friend, uh, Tyshawn, yeah. mm-hmm. Tyshawn Dispenza, and uh, he's in Panama right now. Mm-hmm. And he told me, like, if it was up to me about going to college, he like, I uh, tell my kid to go to college in another country because they're, uh, you know, robbing us uh, mm-hmm. here in the States. And then, then do a student exchange from that country mm-hmm. over or something like that. But that's just a, a side note. Yeah. But I want to backtrack and move to push the focus back to you. Yeah. So, uh, man, Damien, uh, how did you, like, I, I see, it seems like the focus of you and um, is uh, you have a spiritual focus. And, mm-hmm. and right now you've been solely based on education. Mm-hmm. Like, before college, like, you know, what was, who was Damien Howard? Like, what was your main focus going into college? What was life for you? Like, where, where are you from initially, uh, anyway, yeah. in Chicago? So from the south side, I uh, grew up on 79th near Ashland. And when I did not get into Whitney Young's high school program, actually, I first started to get into their seventh. I tried to get into their seventh, eighth grade program. Uh, excuse me? Was it Skinner? No, actually at Whitney Young. They have a, uh, yeah, a seventh, eighth grade program okay. for, you know, upper echelon okay. uh, kids excuse in the city. Me. Right. Yeah. So. When I didn't get into either of those programs at that particular school or any of the selective enrollment schools, my mom moved me to the suburbs, mm-hmm. namely Justice, Illinois, mm-hmm. um, just thinking that that would be a safer alternative uh, right. for me. So I went to an, a, a high school called Argo Community High School. Now to get to your question mm-hmm. of why education and just kind of what led me in that way and who was Damien before then. Mm-hmm. I was a dude who was just done with formal education at the age of 16, even mm-hmm. 17, like, yo, I ain't going to college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I was going to do. I'm going to tell y'all, I had an opportunity to volunteer in the special education department of my school. And I found high something in, of my high school. Okay. And I found something that was just crazy. The same young people that, you know, I would spend time with in my little housing development that would get bust into the school with me um, that I didn't see during the school day. 
now I understood where they were. They were like segmented in this totally separate wing of my high school doing this quote unquote special ed thing. Sound like they was hedging some numbers over there. Either hedging <laughs> some numbers, man, or what, the, what you know, we often call it is just kind of tracking. And oftentimes the tracking isn't based on ability, it's based on other stuff, mm-hmm. you know, systemic bogus stuff. Right. Uh, so it was just some in my spirit and some in my heart at the time as a 17 year old man that said something's wrong about that. And if it's something that I want to do with my life, especially at that point, a life that was just very unclear as far as what next steps would be, that's it. I want to be that dude that's going to school to help black boys and black young people not to get stuck in a separate section of the high school mm-hmm. i couldn't talk about it as you know with with the level of eloquence that i can speak to it right, right now, now. Yeah. but my heart says something was wrong with it why are they in a separate like i know dante i know such and such you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. these my people i play with them on you know we go hoop together right, right, right. <laughs> at the ball type of stuff and, and just some about that was was absolutely wrong mm-hmm. so when you say who was damien at that time I, I, it's, it's, that's a great question because I think as far as just really kind of getting to the essence of who I was, I haven't thought much about it. But the amazing thing retrospectively looking back is I know even then I was a person of purpose Okay. because um, it led me to pursue a degree in education. Mm. So let me ask you this. Yeah. Like, what's your ultimate goal? Like, at the end of the day, you can sit back and say, like, I've accomplished what I set out to accomplish. So here's the thing with that question, I had to go ahead and unfold my legs because it's getting real right now, right? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's, it's... Hands itching, palms <laughs> getting sweaty. Palms getting sweaty. Because... Every move is calculated. It's, it's so calculated, yeah. bro. It's... I know the feeling, yeah. Urban education reform. And that's a great thing to have a plan. Urban mm-hmm. education reform, bro. Let me say it again. Urban education reform, starting in this city, mm-hmm. starting in Chicago, and saying, what is it that I can do? What is it that I could put my hands on, right, to leave a legacy that the education system in this city and in this country is better because Damian Howard existed? Okay. So you got your degree in education at U of I? Specifically special education. Special education. Yes. Well, what made you study that? At, at uh, U of I. Yeah. So, so again, it was that sense yeah, of me going and seeing these kids that was in a totally separate section of the, of the high school. Okay. And my heart said something was wrong with that. So I pursued my degree in that field that was putting these kids in that space because I wanted to keep them from that space and in the mainstream culture. That gotcha. was my thinking as a 17-year-old. Gotcha. Have you ever come across any obstacles as far as that? Any obstacles as far as what? Let's, let's break it down. Uh, as far as pursuing that degree or mm-hmm. once you got that degree, and being in that position and you felt like, ah, oh, maybe this isn't for me or, you know, anything that made you second guess the position that you are in right now. That's amazing. So it was never a second guessing, but what it has been is a feeling of um, being isolated, mm-hmm. a feeling of being on an island. Mm-hmm. Even when y'all just kind of think of your educational experience and your journey, I don't necessarily know what has been the case for you, but I had very few African-American teachers myself. Mm-hmm. So you get think about my my program when I was in school. I didn't really have anybody who looked like me in my special education classes. So that was tough because I'm always having to be the answer or the guy who is making the case for my people, for my ethnicity, right, and for my culture. Mm-hmm. And that's a heavy lift, bro. Mm-hmm. And that just wasn't at um, U of I, even when I went to seminary, <laughs> 
uh, for my master's degree, it was the same thing. Not many people in the classroom look like me. So, you know, when it's Black History Month, like it is right now, Mm -hmm. and, you know, we want to pontificate upon Dr. King or whoever else it may be, Damian Howard, what's your opinion on it? And it's just like, okay, uh, let me think about uh, that. (laughs) Well, what's the word I'm looking for? You use the designated black guy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and I've been that designated black guy. And in many ways, now I continue to be that designated black guy. But here's the difference. Now it does not intimidate me. Now I mm-hmm. look for those opportunities to represent for my people and represent for my culture. Because aligned with something that we said earlier, there is this sense that if our people can see more examples of this stuff that we're talking about right now, therein lies the opportunity for us to live into that in a way that maybe we didn't think that that was an option before. That's the reason why even I live where I live right now. It's very mm-hmm. intentional. It's a sense of, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. man, when I come out and, you know, I come on the street and I'm greeting um, certain folk, that greeting is more than just a what's up. That greeting has optimism in it. That greeting has a sense of, man, I'm here and I'm a neighbor and I'm, I'm a neighbor intentionally. And as such, uh, bro, you know, I, I just want I, I just want to be a, 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 an asset for folk, man. Um, and help bring out the brilliance and the best versions of who they are. You know what I'm saying? So I felt like I was going on that little rabbit trail, man. So I had to bring it back for a quick second. So I want to ask you this too. um, Yeah, yeah. How you feel about the current state of like hip hop culture? Like as an educator, like do you feel um, that who you are as a person, do you feel that you see that in hip hop culture? Or do you want it more in hip hop culture? Like is it? I think for this, I would give a, a, a succinct answer. Um, as it pertains to the current state of the hip-hop culture, I, because now, um, at a point where I'm in my mid, going on latter 30s, is that I have to caution myself to not be overly critical of the hip-hop culture. Mm-hmm. Because I can come off and start talking about mumble music, I can come off and start talking about there's no message, no method, no nothing, no substance. Mm-hmm. But then at the end of the day, if the hip hop culture to some extent is indicative of the narrative of the youth, right, then I got to humble myself and say there's something to learn from that as I am aspiring to learn about my people. You feel me? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I'm a little bit removed from that culture and from that age group at this particular point in time. So my thing is I'm trying to be in a place where as I humble myself to be a learner, I humble myself even to be a person who appreciates the art for what it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So hopefully that kind of got to the question. Yes. And so just to stay on, on course where, so now you, you out of, uh, you, you out of U of I, you finish your undergrad and you mentioned you went to seminary school. So well, you went to Trinity, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, well, what made you go into seminary school? What was the, uh, the reason for that? So, when I was 22, right after graduating, I, I started to get this sense of, dude, it's, 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 it's something more that you should be doing, mm-hmm. right? It's something different that you should be doing. Did you grow up in a church? Have you always been I, I church? have. Okay. I have. Okay. I never had an aspiration to be a minister or mm. a preacher or a pastor or anything That's like that. But yeah. I definitely grew up in a church. Okay. Um, but what I would admit, though, is that even though I grew up in a church, I never got to a point where as I embraced my faith for myself, mm-hmm. it was more so 
a mandate, right? Okay, right <laughs> that right. mama and grandma was like, bro, this just right, what you right. do, right? right? And that was just kind of where we got our, our social engagement, you know, because I was there three, four days out the week. So all my people was it was at the church. So okay. we ain't had no problem going to church. But anyway, um, yeah, that's so with Trinity around 22, I got this sense of, man, I got to deepen my relationship with God because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm out here reckless in many ways. And in my mind, the way that I deepened that relationship was going to school to learn more about him. Uh, and it, it's an amazing <laughs> thing that just kind of made me laugh a little bit because seminary assumes that you already got all that other stuff figured out. I'm like, let me go and do some Bible study later. Uh, no, you should have did your Bible study so in undergrad. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> a lot of these guys were. So so you didn't take no theology classes nah, before nah, going? No, nah, not at all. What? I, my first, I took a little theology. I ain't take nothing, bro. Oh, man. My first step was uh, Greek. Oh, okay. yeah, that was my introduction okay. to seminary. Again, them assuming that you already kind of right. got some biblical studies under your belt. So I was and for our listeners, the, uh, for our listeners, theology is the study of the Bible. Some people don't even know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. No, nah, that was it. I was just saying I was on an exponential growth curve. It was um, a culture shock in many ways, because, again, one of my assumptions that I was going there to really kind of learn about my relationship with God by learning a little bit more of the Bible. They assumed that we already knew that. So we're getting straight into all of the other ologies, right. not just theology, but epistemology right. and eschatology. You know what I mean? So I'm just it's mind boggling. But then let's add to that the fact that, again, it's not many people in these classes that look like you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So right. You deal with that. So I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. De- yeah so it's, it's a always two, two. Let me ask you this. Um, yeah. What do you think would be a better route for like people such like in our age range, um, in a position like you are, mm. like what do you think would be a better route for them to go about bringing in more people to pursue to uh embrace Christianity? Mm. Mm. That's an awesome question. So we talked about the arts and the hip-hop culture. Mm-hmm. And my answer is steeped in a sensitivity to youth. A sensitivity that says that this is a part of who I am, right? Mm-hmm. My music, my expression. Mm-hmm. So that really is the best attempt to answer that question is we need to really plug into the arts and see how could the field the the all of the nuances of the arts fields be utilized for the sake of exposing people to a faith that maybe they don't have or that they don't know about now Mm -hmm. i feel like that's the most impactful way because the arts kind of pierces through the intellect reaches the heart in a way that me just speaking at you can't Mm -hmm. right it's got to be a passion yeah it taps into that passion it taps into what i that that visceral place that emotive place um, and, and I think that you will get a better response um, by, 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 by taking that approach. That's know, just one thought. I know the answer to your question, Jared. Yeah. You know, for me, I've been on the wayside, on the backside of, you know, being so heavily involved in church or like I used to have, used to, but I always carry the foundation. That's who I am because I always grew up in the church and I always been, I grew up in the Salvation Army, you know, yeah. Chicago Temple. And uh, that's the foundation of who I am at, at, I wouldn't went to your revival and wasn't for the Salvation Army. And it's like, you treat people how you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the golden rule. That's in the Bible. And that always stuck with me. And, you know, it's really that simple. And, you know, and you go to church to just balance out your life. You know, that's how I, I take it from me as well. Yeah. So, I know for me, um, I always grew up um, 
uh, the majority of my family, they're uh, Christians. And um, it's one thing that stuck with me. Um, one day, it was about 2012, I think. And I said something very awful mm. about somebody. And I wish something awful on somebody. And then they pulled me, some one of my friends, they pulled me to the side and they said, hey, you shouldn't say this. You got to put out to the universe what you mm. want back on yourself at the end of the day. And I was like, man, I thought about it. And I'm like, um, it was sports related. This yeah. is shallow of me. I, I wish that an athlete break their leg. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and they, like, no, not like good luck break your leg. I yeah, wish they nah, would hurt like, themselves, like, literally. Like, yeah. Oh, trip. Here go they pulled me to the side. <laughs> and they were like, no, you shouldn't say this because this. And I was like, damn, they right. Mm. Like, what if I broke my leg or right, 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 somebody right. I'm related to break their leg? And I thought about that, and it, it made me think about stuff different. It's like, it would be so simple for people to present something that's relatable to certain people. You know what I'm saying? Instead of just, hey, you should you should think this way or be this way. You know what I'm saying? And it, it's like, it feels like taking out the garbage or a chore at some point for certain people or from the beginning. Yeah. But... The different way to present this thing to certain people would be, hey, let me give you something that you could relate to. Yeah. And then these certain people would, you know what I'm saying? They would, hey, hey, maybe I should pursue the church or maybe I, I should pursue God. You know, what's interesting about what you're saying, if if we prioritize relationship mm -hmm. over evangelism or over whatever we're trying to proselytize or get people to believe or get them to follow i think that that's just a wise approach to anything that we're trying to do in life yeah. right when i'm going into no these doubt. schools and i'm trying to build a platform that's going to impact positive change for these shorties you gotta see what's right? beneficial to them first I gotta, right? bro yeah. i gotta have that listening ear yeah. to say you like to what's your name first and foremost you <laughs> feel me like what are some of your interests what are some of your likes and they're gonna work without that right it, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's gonna be a struggle <laughs> yeah. it's an uphill battle every mm -hmm. every time I'm coming into that classroom trying to reestablish something mm -hmm. but when they start to feel like man you're a nurturing force in my life you're somebody who literally cares a, about me beyond your agenda then people get more of a listening ear right so mm -hmm. I, I think that that to your point is a very wise approach is that if we first work to establish a relational rapport with folk before we try to preach something at them then we'll get a different response Gotcha. So now you, you you went through grad school. You, you got you got your uh, your, your masters. Oh, well, what what you get your masters in, by the way? Uh, a masters in divinity studies. Divinity studies. Yeah. And uh, now, well, what you doing after the uh, your masters? Or where where are you at in your life after that? Yeah. So I was uh, a youth pastor with a pastor on the south side, Corey Brooks, during oh, yeah. his movement. Uh, what's the rooftop? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, his movement of Project Hood, which was the most personified version of faith that I've ever seen in my life. For this man to not only live on the roof of a motel 
for the sake of his Closing city. Closing it down, right? Yeah. yeah, for the sake. We got to close this thing down. There's a whole bunch of deplorable things that are happening in, in this space. We got to shut it down. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, in the cold of the winter, a tough winter, I'm about to live. And, and that was just amazing to me, bro. And then even beyond that, for him to walk across America to raise awareness. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, to just be there during that movement. Um, was was very formative as you well know, for know, me. Uh, uh, not to cut you off, yeah. uh, uh, I was thinking about him. Like, where is he at now? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, what was he doing? He's still over there in that community. One of the major things that he's emphasizing right now is an enterprise incubator whereby he's uh, bringing on folk who want to launch businesses. Okay. Uh, we see that as one of the themes in this conversation mm-hmm. and saying, hey, I got some resources and I got some people that can help you with that. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it was being a, a youth pastor for a very short stint of time. And then um, I actually started a church plant not too far away from Salvation Army. Uh, like we were speaking of, actually, my Wednesday Bible study started in the Salvation Army. I remember. Uh, and that was just a, a solid partnership that we were able to leverage sounds like a bad word, <laughs> but utilize. And yeah. it was, I think it was mutually beneficial yeah, uh, no for doubt. the sake of the work that we were trying to do for the community. No so we did that for about three years or so. Um, Shout out to Envoy Staggers. That's Mr. it. Staggers. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did that for about three years or so. And that kind of leads us to a little bit of where I am right now. So mm-hmm. I'll pause there and let you okay. navigate that. Yeah. yeah. So I have a question. Yeah. Too. Um, we got, um, Black Panther, the film yeah. uh, from Ryan Coogler and um, Marvel Studios that's about to possibly win uh Academy Award tonight, yeah. hopefully. Um, but as far as um, African culture, mm. how do you feel, like, have you gouged, like, Christianity in comparison to uh, African culture? Have you weighed those two things against each other or have they, like, melded together? Like, have you ever looked into the two things and compared them, what I'm saying? Well, what I was forced to look into during my time in seminary was some of the realities of what Christianity has been in the spaces of black people, Mm -hmm. um, even stemming from Africa and thinking of some of the crusades and um, now, you know, transitioning to times of slavery and how. You know, some folk weren't even allowed to worship and or there were parameters put around how they would worship based on not the content of character, but the color of their skin. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is definitely something that is and continues to be eye opening. Um, and, and what I will say is I have not afforded myself as much time as I should to really do the blending of what it means to be a person of faith and a man of color, mm-hmm. right? And all of the nuances of that. I will tell you, I've done a, a, some reading on those things, but it's so much more to be done because if I'm going to rightly get into that study, what it's going to force me to do is do some comparative religion studies as well, mm-hmm. right? And not just be diving into Christianity, but what are, again, some of even the Afrocentric um, religious practices that are really true and indigenous to my people, um, it's, a, it's a huge interest of mine, brother, but I have not taken adequate time yet to really engage in that study. It's one of the things definitely that's on that bucket list, though. Yeah, same yeah. here, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so, like, you know, after you, uh, you, you know, you're standing at the Salvation Army and your, yeah. uh, your, your Bible study uh, initiative, uh, well, which came first, Clever Characters or the uh, Together Chicago? And, and how did they come about? Well, I know we talked about Clever. What, what about Together Chicago? 
Yeah, so Together Chicago is an entity in this city that started in 2016. 2016, for those who might need a little context, was a summer that was a real bloody summer here in Chicago. It was a lot of violence taking place. And it, it was a group of pastors who were having a conversation in one space saying, we want to do something about the violence. Mm-hmm. And then there was a group of affluent businessmen having a conversation in another space saying, we want to do something about the violence. Ultimately, what happened is that a guy who was being invited to both of these different groups brought the groups together. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to, to Brian Dye uh, okay. with the Legacy Movement. He brought those groups together. And from them coming together, they agree that it is well for us to be doing this work of violence reduction together. And they erected this entity that's called Together Chicago. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Together Chicago has... So Brian uh, Dye founded this? No, Brian Dye connected the pastors and the business leaders and okay. said that y'all should be talking and y'all should be working together. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so that's okay. the historical part that he plays uh, with the inception of, of, of the Together Chicago movement. But again, yeah, it's, it's all about, you know, it starts with violence reduction. And then it says, OK, if we're going to address violence, what are some of the other things that we need to care about, like economic development, like education? Mm-hmm. And if we be true to ourselves, that means that the church has to be at the center of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. So me, my space is I'm the director of education initiatives. And the beautiful thing about it is I don't have to shift or change anything as it pertains to who I am to live in this director seat. Because they're allowing me to come as that character development guy and say, bring the fullness of who that is for the sake of blessing this space of education initiatives for Together Chicago. So basically, when I speak of those 13 schools that I'm in, part of the acceleration to get into those 13 schools is based on the fact that I'm connected to this powerful vehicle, namely Together Chicago. That's helping to open some of those doors and accelerate that process. But again... If I didn't clearly state this before, I want to be very clear right now that Together Chicago is all about impacting sustainable change in our city. These are guys who are saying, hey, we a lot of people are talking about violence reduction. A lot of people are talking about education reform. A lot of people are having a whole bunch of conversations about what we need to do to make this city better. How can we come as a vehicle with all of our amazing resources, with the amazing network and ultimately empowered by God? to put in some strategies and put in some initiatives that are going to actually have sustained impact. Gotcha. Gotcha. So how, how did you get involved with, uh, did somebody come to you? Like uh, they seen your work in the community? Like how did you get involved? I want to say this for the sake of the listeners right now. <laughs> the way that I got connected with this movement mm-hmm. is by me living in my purpose with a sense of clarity. Mm. When people go and they ask, or when I go places and people ask, Damien, who are you? What are you about? Mm-hmm. Guess what I'm going to tell them? Urban education reform. Okay. Bro, what you care about? What's the end goal? You asked me this earlier. Urban, Urban education, education reform. reform. Yeah. I probably said it three times. You know what I'm saying? And I said, I'm consistent with that, right? Mm-hmm. So with that rigid consistency, what that brings is a sense of as people meet you and as they continue to hear you, you become that person that's known as the dude in that space. Okay. Right? Have you, have you ever felt like you lost faith? Have I ever felt like I lost faith? I felt like things have gotten tough, Mm -hmm. right? Especially, bro, I talked about isolationism earlier. I was talking about isolationism in one way as far as being the only black dude in certain spaces. Mm -hmm. But now what does it look like to be the dude who is an entrepreneur? And I'm looking around and I don't have many people who are really from my community coaching me on what that looks like. Let me tell you. 
break down to them what yeah. an entrepreneur is because a lot of people don't understand what let me is. be very simple an entrepreneur is somebody who builds a business and i mm-hmm. i think that's the simplest way to put it um yeah so so that's entrepreneurialism and like i stated earlier it doesn't start with you building the business it starts with you getting a mindset mm-hmm. right and because, a lot of yeah. a lot of people think that being an entrepreneur like success happens overnight they don't understand yeah. that you might take an l and then you got to bounce back yeah a lot of people don't understand that so, so yeah that's that's why i love how i'm wired because i got to tell y'all about my l's because in that level of transparency y'all start to see my my humanness and y'all see start to see the fact that man do endured and do persisted so maybe i can do the same mm-hmm. and part of that y'all heard me say it i kind of went over it quickly because i didn't want to open you know put no salt on none of these wounds that you know i'm still dealing with but that church plant bro that was my identity like my identity was wrapped into this thing he knows how, yeah. how hard i was going after that yeah that was and your it, baby man. yeah I know. you know, I know before you had a baby <laughs> right 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 <laughs> and it dissolved after three years right so either i can like you say take that l and i can let that l crush me diminish my faith Mm-hmm. And or like you said, I could take that L and say that L was meant to be a lesson. That L was meant to be something that really helps to build me up into the person that God is growing me to be. Exactly. And the latter is what I do with every opportunity that I'm given in life, bro. I say, okay, now it's time for me to shift, learn from what I had back then, and just do better, bro. Tomorrow, do better today. Mm-hmm. And part of being better, I just gotta say this again, is that focus, bro. Like, part of the L's are based on the fact, with the church plant particularly, is I was trying to do too much, right? Mm-hmm. Y'all see, part of my, my stress set is that I'm a person of significance. I want to impact positive change. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Damien, you don't have a super cape. It's only so much you can do, especially when you're doing it alone. Yeah, yeah, we all learned that lesson. Yeah. That's a hard lesson. Yeah. And I want to ask you one more thing, yeah. okay? Because I have a cousin that's your age in yeah. the ministry. Uh, he's a pastor. Um... I want to ask you this. Um, okay, as far as like music and movies yeah. or anything that influences all of us, culture, yeah. whether whether we admit it or not, like everything influences us. Mm. Um, how do you feel about like overall like music and movies? Uh, should as far as you being a Christian man or somebody being like we raising Christians or it's just our culture that we want to present to our kids and ourselves or whatever like do you think that we should avoid certain things or do you think that we should um like okay we let's say for instance we got jay-z beyonce we got uh movies like um get out we got the us movie coming out or like horror sci-fi whatever like should we avoid that and not like watch those things or should we embrace those things and say hey at the end of the day um we still christians and we can watch this and still like be us so it depends on what you want and how bad you want it mm-hmm. <laughs> when we want that <laughs> let me see how to put it most most um men can relate to the fact that when you want to have a sexual encounter mm-hmm. you will make sacrifice mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying to to to, to to do what you need to do mm-hmm. you feel me mm-hmm. um i'm gonna run all type of game 
I'm gonna use all type of verbal linguistics. You feel me? And <laughs> I and, love that. Uh, and I and I feel like you know, in in our culture and in our space, we got that thing real good. Yeah. So I'm like, bro, we got so much game. Why we take over the world? Right. I'm getting no, to your question. I'm getting to your question. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And when I want something bad enough, I'm gonna do whatever I got to do to get it right. So. Mm-hmm. That's a question I got to put back on any listener who heard you ask that question and now is leaning in to hear what my answer is. My my, my response is very simple. What do you want and how bad do you want it? Mm-hmm. Because if you're saying that I'm in a place like I was in at 22, right? when I'm just like, I'm going to do whatever I got to do to get a relationship with God and know God for myself and not know him on the basis of my mom forcing me to go to church. So what that meant for me at the time is whatever Jay-Z CD was out at the time, even TLC fan mail, bro. Y'all like mm-hmm. that soft stuff, right? <laughs> like all that stuff I had to. It was like, you know, then as a part of you, I spent all this money on this. Do I get this stuff away? And then it's like morally, no, nah, I don't give it away because if I'm saying I don't need it for my own spirit, <laughs> you know, then I don't need to. But it, I had to be super extreme. This is what led me to seminary. It was a sense of I want to know God better. I want a deeper relationship with him. So I'm going to sacrifice two years of my life, change the whole trajectory of my life because mm-hmm. I want him that bad and I want it that bad. I'm going to tell you, um, I went to <laughs> a retreat uh, about it, it was made right around the summertime or something. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, before going to that retreat, yeah, I was watching Empire and I was watching Power mm-hmm. um, and the mental thing that I was doing in my own space Shout out was, to ghosts That's it, that's it <laughs> You know I was like, yo You know um, It's it's art You know It's it's, it's culture And then um, My thing with that is And y'all let me know You know mm-hmm. I have a pacing You know When I need to go with it But my, my thing with that w- Was this It was just like like yo you know it's, it's, it was a lot of sex and you know scenes in it and i'm i'm it's crazy how explicit they get right. with some of these sex scenes on them but I, I was i was in it but anyway long and short i went to this retreat and it was a lady who refers to herself as a prophetess and she was like i don't know what you're watching and i don't know what you're in, engaging with or indulging in uh-huh. but you need to let it go she said whatever wow. you're watching on tv you need to stop watching it how, how did she know that I don't know what she just felt it on you. So if she was genuinely um, a prophet of God, then maybe God gave her that message. I got to ask you one more question. It's like it's super controversial. Yeah. I don't want to put you like on the spot. Can I answer the first one just real fast? I could be real quick. I could be real quick with it. Take your time. Let me let me say this again. We got time. It's contingent and dependent upon what you want and how bad you want it. Mm -hmm. And that's a question that people have to answer for themselves. Mm -hmm. And as it pertains to a desire to have a relationship with God. If you say, I want this better than I want anything else, you're going to have to let some stuff go. Because these eye gates and these ear gates, bro, that's a serious thing. So when I'm watching Empire, not even Empire, what House of Cards even. Mm -hmm. I I watched that too. Right. And and some of the scenes, they lead my mind and my spirit, right, to indulge certain things, even if subconsciously. I don't even know some of that stuff is happening. So One nation, underwood. Yeah. Last time, bro. It, It all depends on what you want and how bad you want it. So I want to ask you this. Um, I don't see a lot of people talking about this, so it's mm. puzzling to me. Like, I, I see people talking about R. Kelly and things like that. Yeah. And it, it's messed up what R. Kelly did. Yeah. But at the same time, Pope Francis, a couple of weeks ago from the Catholic Church, he's the Pope. He's the man. Like, up there, up there. Right. You know what I'm saying? As far as uh, Catholics go, um, he came out and he said, um, 
there's nuns being they, they got sex slaves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's going on right now, and it went on in the past, and it's currently still going on. So, like as a you as a Christian, like when you hear things like this, how do you feel about things like that? How do you think Pope Francis, like it, it's to acknowledge it is one thing, but it's like, what are we doing now? Like, are we going to go rescue these nuns that are currently being sex slaves, or to these? other popes or what are we gonna do like what's going on so this is gonna be very succinct and it might even sound a little off but i don't even have much knowledge of what it is you're talking about actually that's the first time and the reason why is that sometimes me personally i have to put on blinders and close my ear Mm -hmm. to all of the noise because in hearing that like my heart cries out right to that reality Mm -hmm. and my heart crying out takes energy and it takes um attention to focus in on that moment in that way mm-hmm. and what could happen in that moment is now damien this is something that you need to do and me personally knowing that i've been stretched so many different ways and different times in my life again i, I quiet a lot of the noise so when you ask me what should i think about that um, my heart cries out to it and if there is some way that i can advocate i will um however this place of place of focus and rigid intentionality that I'm on right now, I know that my calling is education. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And right now it's localized. It's Chicago education. So I'm not necessarily going to have boots on the ground for the sake of what's going on, even though my heart cries out to that situ- uh, situation and scenario. But I'm not even going to be, you know, I'm not even going to take much time even talking about it. And, and I know that that sounds like, like, dang, Damien, I care a lot. But what God has made me for and what he's equipped me to do in this season of my life is be about urban education reform. It it goes back to what you said earlier. You you know, you don't have that cape no more. So it's like, you know, you you wasn't there when the alleged crime happened that Jared brought up. You know, it is sad that that, that's going on. But I I understand why Jared answered the question because, you know, you're a man of faith. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, it, you know, but to hear your answer on that, you know, it just speaks to what you, you said earlier. You, you know, like, I can't. Yeah, I, I just yeah. feel like we eventually, yeah. we all as men, period, no matter if we believe in God or not, we we got to do something about this eventually. Like, Pope Francis just presented this and then it got swept under the rug by the media. And it's like, hey, we, somebody got to do something. So here's my thing. I have particular strengths as far as me being a maximizer that I can Mm -hmm. offer to you to support you and build you up to be empowered to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it comes to Damien engaging anything more intimately or deeply than what I just articulated, Mm -hmm. um, I'm focused enough that I wouldn't commit to that because I know I wouldn't be good at that. I respect that. That's not what my space and my time could be allocated to in this season. Yeah, right. That doesn't mean I don't care. But yeah. what I'm saying is, what do I have yeah, not that could be offered for you yeah, to help yeah. you to be empowered yeah. to do that? Yeah, you're not imp- yeah I was I was just saying, like, yeah. no matter what religious background we from, we all need to come in together as a whole Absolutely. at the end of the day and just support each other more. Like, mm-hmm. and then, you know, based on us being black, like, yeah. it's a lot of people who's not going to support anything that we have going on anyway. Mm. So it, it just... It's it's like man, it's like man. Does it take a celebrity or 
Like what do well, we well, have to do? Well, well, well. That's the uh, that's the, uh, the the day and age we're in right now. It's like it's like we make decisions off pure emotion, and, and I understand what you're saying. And you want you want their attention to be directed to this huge out outcry for what's this huge crime that's going on in the church, and. And I think it's there because they 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 no, have an, they have an investigation in Rome about basically it right what now. I'm saying is you got R. Kelly who has been arrested right now for mm-hmm. um, engaging in sexual activity with four girls mm-hmm. uh, who were underage at the time in the 90s. Right. And you have a lot of people who saying, hey, R. Kelly should be arrested. Hey, he's a monster. He should be arrested. Whatever. But at the same time, we have Pope Francis of the Catholic Church, who's the uh, He's leader of the church. Yeah, right. he's he's number one. You know what I'm saying? And he came out and said, "Hey, we have nuns who are sex slaves." And, 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 and but but your 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 thing is you're mad of the attention being drawn to it, a little attention being being drawn to it. Yeah, that's what you're saying? That, that, he's mad at the disparity. You're yeah. saying when it comes to this black man who did something wrong, so all, all the attention, attention is, is going on. No, that. I'm I'm not trying to compare yeah. the two, but yeah. I'm just saying like well, you got. The R. Kelly situation with four individuals who are adults now. And then you have Pope Francis who came out and said that this is what happened and this is still going on. Okay. And you have little to no one saying anything about this. Period. To both both causes or just the Pope, uh, uh, the Catholic Church cause? Period. To both of them? Period. You can't name five, peop- five people who have an issue no, I'm, trying, I'm, trying, I'm trying to get you to define what, like, what, what you have an issue with. Do you have an issue with the little attention being drawn to the what's happening in the Catholic Church or the attention that R. Kelly case? Which one? No, I, of course I have issues with both situations, but right, yeah. I'm saying that it's like, come on, like nobody's like little, like very little people are saying anything about this. Both I can't, or I one. can't name both, both, both issues. Oh, of course, everybody has some something to say about the R. Kelly situation, but I'm saying. Like we have, we all three of us, me and right now, uh-huh. all three of us, we can't name four people that have an issue with what's going on with the nuns. Okay, all right. So you have an issue with the attention going on. Yeah, and, and, like it's right. it, it's 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 very troubling to me. Like, cause even though I I don't know any nuns personally, you know what I'm saying. I I, I don't know many Jewish people. I don't know many Catholic people. I don't know. You know what I'm saying. But it just bothers me that it's been swept under the rug. Well, well, it hasn't because what's going on now, and to be fair to our listeners, and since we on this, uh, we like we are broadcast journalism now, and so journalists, the, journalists. Yeah. So there's a case uh, they they're, they're having a uh, a hearing or or it's like a, a, a like a case, a huge case, and what's going on? What you're talking about in Rome? Mm-hmm. It came out like that because they actually talking about it and trying to come up with a solution for it right now. To, to even, uh, they're going to prosecute the priest yeah, that's they're, doing it they're now. They're trying so, to so come ans- up. Yeah, so to answer your question, they're handling it. They no, are. Handling I don't it. think they're handling it. I mean, probably not fast as you wanted to, but they are. Nah, like, that's what is out. And I, I'm just saying that not many people our age, not many brothers, not many sisters. Not many people are concerned with this. Well, uh, I mean, to be, that's all I'm saying. To be honest with you, a lot of brothers don't go to Catholic church. I know, but come on, man. You, you got <laughs> I'll just be, <laughs> hey, I'll hey, just, hey that's what I'm just is. saying. Like it's it's human beings at the end of the day. Yeah, but it, no, it's but, very but, disturbing. That, that, to that, me. Yeah, that, that's why I brought up this day and age because 
I'm not but, gonna but, 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 I'm not gonna but, but, wait on VH1 nah. to tell me to feel some way about this. That's nah. what I'm saying. No, nah, ain't nobody telling you not to feel no uh, way about anything. Uh, that doesn't mean that we're not un- uh, empathetic to the situation just because no one's talking about it. I know, but I'm, that's all I'm saying. Like, it just I, hasn't it, reached our side of the world. And our, yeah, but and it our reached world. me, and I'm very disturbed. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Man, go to your local uh, Catholic church. Hey. What? <laughs> 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 I don't have to go to there to feel some type of That's all I'm nah, saying. No, I'm talking about if you want to do something about it. All right. And I got one more thing I want to ask you. Can I say one more thing uh-huh. to the point that we're making right now? Mm-hmm. Um, I just really challenge us in this room mm-hmm. and the listeners that when we have deep feelings and sentiments like what you're expressing right now, mm-hmm. that we don't let it rest in that place of feeling some type of way. Right. Right? Because how often do we feel some type of way about something and then next week that thing is just... It's a feeling. You yeah, feel me? Yeah. It, it's yeah. a vapor that's, that's now gone. It. Right? Because I just think, again, how I'm wired uh, theologically is that sometimes that's the divine, that's God telling you that man, this is something to attend to. Now, what yeah. you do with that, I don't know. And but it didn't bother me. Every day, you know, we going out here and we gonna feel some type of way about a whole bunch of different things. So my, I guess my question or my point is, at what particular time does the feeling some type of way change to action, right? Facts. And and for us to say that maybe me engaging in this action is helping me to get a, a more keen sense of who I am and what my own purpose is. Right. Because purpose is something that transcends beyond the individual, bro. You know, it's 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 a it's a journey and it's a calling concerning why you are here on Earth. And maybe a piece of that is meant for you to engage as a part of your own formative process of understanding how you're specially and uniquely wired to be a blessing to this earth. Yeah, Just if I, thought if that I came feel the me. way you feel, yeah. I, I won't wait for me or nobody else to, to take affirm. action. Yeah, to affirm it. And I want to ask you one more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you a sports fan? I am. I am. I don't take much time to watch sports, though. Who's your favorite team? In NFL, in the NBA, MLB. I'm all, all Chicago. All Chicago. I'm all Chicago. Now, when you talk about MLB, now I got to be specific. White Sox. White Sox. For a trade, bro. I'm right down the street. What? You understand? I can get Sox tickets for $5. You ain't celebrate so when the Cubs won? Absolutely. You ain't celebrate. Absolutely, because right. I'm Chi-Town strong, my dude. So, hey. Hey. You think Derrick Rose should come home to the Bulls? Uh, I have no no opinion concerning that, man. Um, it's funny, though, that one of the, the reader board or the billboard right by the United Center, I see Pooh on there more often than I'm seeing any of our own Bulls hey. players that Shots Adidas uh, campaign. So he's our dude, man, and, and we love him. Um, but as far as should he come back to, as a contributor to our team, I don't know. I'm not looking at it closely enough. Uh, to say that, why? Because <laughs> urban education reform. <laughs> I ain't right. got tired of watching those two, three hour right. So, so yeah. we get Zion, you think we gonna go somewhere? Zion, hey, that boy's Derek a beast. Rose. That boy's a beast. Let me say that. Yeah. So to bring it back to urban uh, uh, yeah. education reform. Uh, so now you got involved into Together Chicago. Yeah. You started Clever Characters. And so where where is cut? clever characters now i know it's in 13 schools what is the end goal like uh not end goal but like what's the i got the vision in my pocket you know as far as like you know i'm reading off my notes to you but what is the vision of clever characters and where do you see it going you know in the future like what's your overall vision of this uh organization you started the beauty of this collaboration with together chicago is that it affords me to accelerate my reach in this city Okay. So when you talk about 
an end goal or a vision for future years in the development of this process and organization. Going into next year, what we've been putting out there as a vision is that we're going to have impact in 100 schools. Mm-hmm. I'm having an event actually on March 29th. 100 schools 100. in our city, in Chicago. Ele- and elementary and high school. Elementary and high school. Okay. And for the work that we're doing in these 100 schools, the impact that we're making, for that to grow as a model for urban impact or urban education reform to take place in other cities as well. When do you expect it to reach 100 schools? Next school year. Next school year? Yeah, because there are ways that we break down the model. Okay, so I'm going to have okay. direct services in 25. So you expect to get from a 13 to 100 by next year. Yeah, but so we, we're not going to necessarily be doing weekly interventions and services like I'm doing in these mm-hmm. 13 at all 100 of those schools. 25, I'm expecting for that 13 to grow to 25 that okay. we're doing weekly services weekly. in. Okay. Yeah. Um, 25 additional schools are schools that we're just going to start building relationships just, with right, just for the following school year right. so we can be at 50 just okay. to touch those schools, okay. right? Makes and sense. give them a piece of what urban education reform is versus us being there on a weekly basis. And then lastly, mm-hmm. um, based on our organizational partnerships, that's how we then get the additional 50 to have 100 schools that we're connected with. And I'll just explain that very quickly. When we talk about just kind of the missional strategies or uh, missional strategic approach to be about Chicago education reform so that character development is strengthened so that we can have academic success in these schools. It's mentoring, it's tutoring, it's adult support and collaboration, right? Mm -hmm. So we want to look at who are the organizations that's already out there doing those things well and how can Clever Characters Together Chicago strengthen what they're already doing Mm -hmm. to help them to do it even better so that we can have accountability structures, metrics for success, so we can know if we're actually doing the work well, mm. best practices, and ultimately even shared resources. I'm like, why are not these organiza- Why are these organizations not coming together to even go after grant funding together, mm-hmm. right? For the philanthropic community of Chicago to say, yo, it's 50 organizations that are partnering to change this city. I just feel like that's a powerful narrative. And part of my work is for us to be at the center of that narrative by bringing these organizations together. All right, so simplify what the, the specific work that you that you guys do at Clever Characters. Like, you go into a school, let's, take, let's say a high school, and uh, you're teaching a, a teacher what to teach their kids. Yeah, so the people who work for Clever Characters are what we call character coaches and mentors. We coach adults and we mentor kids. So when we're going into these schools, one of the things that we do is we teach 30-minute character lessons. Right. So if we're talking about, for instance, empathy this week, you putting yourself in the shoes of another person, you understanding that we have differing opinions and us to be able to celebrate those differing opinions. We come in and the way that we coach the teachers is to show them how to actually execute a lesson like this in your classroom. That's going to help really. I like to call it real talk. Right. Right. right, right. We're always talking about academics. We're always talking about the arithmetic. But at what point do we just kind of back up and allow the young people to have a voice to engage in stuff like empathy, to engage in stuff like identity and culture, the stuff we're talking about right now. Exactly. I facilitate a conversation in the classroom so people to have real talk. And that's my method of coaching teachers concerning how they can do that even when I leave. So that's one so, piece. So hearing you saying is it sound like you want the teachers to be more relatable to the student, Yeah, to understand the student more. Because an ultimate goal is that kids are going to be better when they have more nurturing adults in their lives. Mm-hmm. Teachers, mentors, and interns, these are kind of all people that I work with, are deemed as more nurturing adults 
like you said, when they show that they're willing to relate and connect beyond just the academics of a kid. Right. Like, I care about you more than just you scoring well on this NWEA assessment or SAT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So my work empowers them to go beyond the academic piece and tap into the essence of who these kids are. Okay. And how many, so so how many employees do you have uh, under you now? Two. Two? Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you this. Do you think religion should come into play when it comes to politicians? Like, um, as far as who's going to be the next president, we mm. got um, Kamala Harris. Um, we got uh, Joe Biden. We got um, we got Trump. Obviously, he's going to run again. Uh, uh, plenty of individ- individuals who feel they should be the next president. Do you think religion should be something that we consider? My response to that is very simple, and I think it's true to me. I think authenticity should come into play. Mm-hmm. So preach at no particular point in time should anybody feel as if they have to be muzzled because of a platform. So if me going into the political arena forces me to get into a space where I can't talk about God or I can't be true to the fact that when I talk about God, I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's not a platform I want, bro. Do right? you see yourself being a politician? Not at like, all. Uh, as far as... Not at all. No? Not at all. Why not? Um, For whatever reason, the way that I'm wired... In the, the vein of Dr. King is that I feel like so much more can be accomplished by boots on the ground. Grassroots. Grassroots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm committed to, to that as the approach that I take. Um, but going back to your question as far as what role religion plays in politics, I think where I land on that is I could care less about particularly what role religion plays. I just want the authenticity role. Uh, I want no mask. I want you mm-hmm. to be in your true essence uh, and for that to be celebrated. That's what's up. Yeah. Like, that's how every everybody should be. Uh-huh. And that's why I feel Bernie Sanders, like, as great as he is and what he represents and what he presents, I don't think he'll win because he presents it so raw mm. and people mm. can't handle that. Mm. And um, I'm really, I'm still surprised that Barack Obama was the president twice. Mm. So. Interesting yeah. take. But, um, yeah. So. This has been episode 38. Um, yeah. You got anything you want to promote that you want our listeners to look into? or? Yeah, I, I hit on it re- very quickly. But again, on March 29th, mm-hmm. I am going to do a friend raiser event. This is through Together Chicago in partnership with my work with Clever Characters. And basically what we're trying to do is get new friendships and or deepen friendships that we already have Mm -hmm. towards this ultimate goal of Chicago education reform. So what I am calling out to any and everybody who say that I care about youth in this city to register for this event, to get to this event so that ultimately we can come together and impact collective, make collective impact in this city for the sake of these kids. Well, what's the website? Uh, so togetherchicago.com Together uh, will get you all of whatever it is that you need concerning this event and the work that we're doing in the city. Okay, and I have one last question about yeah, Clever yeah. Characters. Uh, so what uh, you started the organization out um, with, with the high school kids. Do you plan to hire more kids or like do you want kids to run the organization overall? Like, Because that, that really caught my eye. Yeah, I- so unfortunately I didn't really unpack as much as I probably should have the aspiration for youth empowerment with everything that I do 
mm-hmm. this organization started because we wanted to empower young people to dream about entrepreneurialism, right? right? When I go into these classrooms, I want young people to dream about living into their true essence and to have that thing celebrated as a part of their academic experience. And in fact, you have the ability to be even more exceptional academically when you feel free to be the true version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yes, this platform intends to celebrate that, to maximize that and build that up in whatever way, shape or form that we can. Um, what I really see myself as is that dude who is gradually trying to release myself from that environment. I go in and I do these lessons now, but I'm always intentional to say, hey, fifth grader, hey, third graders, come in. Let me hip y'all to what I'm teaching so gotcha. y'all can go and teach it when I ain't here. Because I'm only in these schools one day a week. Mm-hmm. This stuff should be taking place every day, yeah. at least every day. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to empower the young people as well as their teachers to really kind of take it on beyond that. I got one more question. <laughs> and then, and how many we times done. we said that today? <laughs> well, then we done. Hey, Sean, then how we many done. times we said then one we more done. question yeah. today? <laughs> Who's the greatest basketball player of all time, Mike, Kobe, or LeBron James? Bro, I told you I'm all shy, so yeah, that's easy. by virtue, I got to say Mike, even if the Mike. stats say something against it. Like, MJ. Yeah, all yeah. the way. Mm-hmm. I love the diversity of the questions, bro. God. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, that, that's all right, man. Thank you for taking indeed, out the time indeed. to be here with us today, man. Uh, appreciate you very much. Yes, sir. Man, I hope we all, you know what I'm saying, Man, I hope me and him reach your level of success. Wow. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Um, and you we, will with focus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With purpose, bro. I, I took something that was 2,500 to almost six figures in one year. Awesome. It can hey. be done with limited hey. training. <laughs> That's yes. what's up, man. Yeah. We appreciate you. We love you, bro. Indeed. Um, hopefully you come on and be on the show again, yes, the sir. podcast again. Um, this has been episode 38 of the Undiluted Podcast. And man, until next time, peace and love, everybody. Yes, Adios, amigos. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, man. Indeed, bro. Good stuff, good stuff. Thank y'all for having me. No problem, man. I'm celebrating.